Hello, everybody. Welcome back once again to the Honest Bicycle Program. We're, uh, we're here. We're here to keep you company on your ride. Isn't that right, Matteo, over in Philadelphia? That is correct, Greg, in or around Boston. <laughs> it's in. It's in, believe it or not. It's in Boston. On the outskirts. In Boston. Yeah. On the, the outskirts. The outskirts of Boston. I'm, I am in Philadelphia, but uh, once upon a time, the neighborhood that I now live in, this was before my time, was considered the outskirts of Philadelphia. Oh, really? So, so you and me were the same with our skirts. We, uh, oh. well, <laughs> we, know how to, we know how to wear a skirt. That's for sure. <laughs> the Honest Bicycle Program... We know how to skirt something. Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> skirt around a topic. Speaking of things we're skirting <laughs> around, uh, you'll... No, this transition makes no sense. Uh, anyway, we'll hear from Francis later on. We got to talk um, for a good long while uh, last weekend. Uh, we're recording this a week later. Um, at the UCI uh, C2 cyclocross race in Northampton, Massachusetts, the, I think, Cycle Smart Northampton International. So uh, we'll get to that um, in the bottom of the show that and uh some interviews we got want to tantalize we've got that. yeah well let's let's tantalize let's tell people who we have coming up and then that way they'll uh continue downloading this episode that's right because <laughs> that's how it works right it is how it works so they're gonna keep matching the button they're gonna hang on that dial uh they're gonna be like oh man i've got to i've got to listen to all the whatever other 20 minutes of of nonsense first but it's gonna be totally worth it uh because we're gonna hear from U23 American Cyclocross Champion, Ellen Noble. And we're going to hear from uh, a friend of the show, cool dude, Dan Chabanoff, who is also a racer on the Richard Sachs Cyclocross team. So stick around for, for that. Uh, I think that uh, it'll be worth it. <clears throat> this is this is exciting. These are two uh, fine people and fine bicycle racers. Yes, yes. And they have many interesting and solid thoughts on uh, topics. So. Which I am looking, I personally am looking forward to hearing because uh, I didn't make it to Northampton this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll... And this is, mm-hmm. this is a damn shame. It is a damn shame. And, and uh, I think that in a little while you can tell us uh, why it's a damn shame. I will. Um, but uh, yeah, we're going to save, we're going to save that too. So Saving it. Yeah, I want to lead off with a couple little things. Bring it. Well, first I want to lead off with a, we have a, a listener email that has a question about something we did a while back. This is from... And this is this is great, but, you know, I I have regrets that Francis is not here to read the listener email in her strong, bad voice. Oh, yeah, that's true. And I'm not even going to try because um, I'm a little under the weather. Um, my, my brother and his girlfriend, they're moving far, far away uh, at the end of the year. Yeah, they had a little going away party. Uh, and... It turns out that I cannot staying up late and drinking lots of beers <laughs> and being out in the town. Tough, tough combo. It's, it's uh, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a little rough. If I sound a little rough, that's why. So please forgive me. But whew, <laughs> it's uh, it's not like when I was 21. Uh, that's for no. sure. Uh, when <laughs> I think we talked about this at one point. But anyway, we have an email. It's from Rob Stengel. Um, forgive me if I pronounced your name wrong. He is. Is it Rob? We think we think it's pronounced Rob, right? Rob, I think right. It's actually two B's, like the Game of Thrones character. 
Oh, dang. So uh, watch out. <laughs> watch out for this guy. <laughs> well, watch out for weddings. Uh, we wouldn't want <laughs> anything to happen to you. Um, so just, I don't know, exercise some caution. All right, so this, mm-hmm. is, uh, this is episode 52, Curious Question. And it says, in your conversation with Dave Kirkpatrick of November Bicycles, which I really enjoyed, you made mention of white industry hubs that were on a set of wheels that inspired Dave. You said you would come back to white later on, but obviously the conversation went in other directions. I'm just curious what your thoughts were that didn't get shared, shared about White Industry Hub. Thanks. Well, thank you for your email, Rob, and thank you for that question. And, uh, and and Rob, I would actually also thank you for your patience because I think we're on episode 70 yeah, at this point. Yeah. And so Rob has obviously, you know, waited a good uh, 17 episodes to see if we were going to come back to White later on. <laughs> yeah, we do. So Rob, thank you for your email. We'll answer your, we'll answer your question in episode 92. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we do appreciate it. Um, so I, I actually don't entirely, I, I should have done my homework and gone back and re-listened. But, I, you know, what we were going to talk about, I think, and, and what we did talk about maybe a little bit, was that at that time, um, November had just started using uh, essentially white industry hubs uh, in terms of the internals. And they were made by white industries for November, um, but with a more simple shell and with uh, laser etching um, instead of engraving all right and the, I think the thoughts were basically that the white industry hubs are really good um, and the trick was making them more affordable and and getting you know people who you know wanted really good hubs to not have to spend a fortune unfortunately um, Dave wrote a blog post on this uh, a few months ago. Uh, they had to discontinue these hubs simply because it, it turns out it's really difficult to get people to, to believe that your house-branded hubs um, are every bit as good as the name-brand industry hubs, <laughs> even even if they are literally the exact same thing. Um, that's a very, very difficult thing to communicate uh, to customers, as it turns out. So uh, I, I think that's a, there's an interesting lesson in that if any of you, uh, I don't know, would-be business people or entrepreneurs are out there listening. Um, you know, names are important and people have really kind of accumulated expectations based on a lot of junk <laughs> that's out there, uh, under name brand. So. That's, that's very interesting. And it, that actually makes me think about, um, Bontrager that was, you know, they, they make wheels and for a while they used Chris King hubs with Bontrager labels and for a while, they used DT Swiss hubs with Bontrager labels. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, I wonder if they experienced something similar where they were like, "Oh, you know, you're you're buying really nice wheels, and you're buying, you know, a, you know, four or five or six hundred dollar hub set in these wheels, and that's part of the price of the wheel." And people are like, "Are they though?" Because people can buy, you know, lots of wheels with like meh hubs, and you know, meh hubs are fine for a lot of uses. But I think when people spend more money on good hubs, they want I don't know. Yeah, maybe they want the reassurance of like the name that they. Know. Yeah, well, yeah, and to be yeah, and to be clear, this was this was the issue, right? That these hubs were less expensive than mm-hmm. uh, the branded, you know, than White Industries hubs, thanks to the simpler shell design and and uh, the lack of engraving, right? So that's that's where the money savings is. Um, mm-hmm. But they were considerably more expensive than typical kind of house brand hubs, which would be made by like Formula or something. And so that's that's the issue is is uh, 
you think, well, we'll split the difference and people will be happy because they're getting really great hubs at a really good rate. Uh, and it turns out it doesn't, uh, it's not easy to make that work. You know, and, and like, yeah, if you buy a wheel, this is Bontrager on it, uh, but the hubs are Chris King and you charge accordingly, people are going to be like, uh, yeah, Bontrager hubs for that much? I don't think so. And right. you can explain till you're blue in the face, you know, who made the hubs, but, uh, you know, good luck, basically. I mean, not to be like completely defeatist about that, but um, mm-hmm. it's a difficult thing to do. It's a very difficult thing. So anyway, uh, right. Moving on. It's Sunday. It's November 20th. We are gathered here today to discuss <laughs> Coxida. <sighs> The famous and this is and this is tough. This is tough for us because we scheduled our whole weekend around watching the Coxida Cyclocross World Cup, mm-hmm. and then getting together and talking about it. Yeah, and what and what has happened? It, uh, I believe it's been canceled due to high winds. <laughs> high winds. I this I believe this is the first time that I've heard of a cyclocross race being canceled due to high winds. I I did see a video of like a giant tent blowing away, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like it's probably justified, but it is unfortunate. Yeah, I, yeah. Every, everybody seems, like, you know, every now and then there's a, a bicycle decision that gets made out in the world, and everybody immediately complains. And and that did not seem to be the case here, which, which made me think <laughs> that, you know, people weren't all that jazzed about racing, that it was generally a good decision, perhaps. Yeah. Um, it is unfortunate. Can't help but notice that. It is a, it is a classic. Sure. This is actually um, absolute like a classic is the right word for it because that like compares it to you know classic road races and and when it comes to cyclocross you know we don't there's not really the same designation for classic courses but but Coxida is absolutely among those oh yeah it definitely is yeah so uh, that's a thing uh, and it's unfortunate you know and and it's it's a race that really requires a lot of preparation and practice I was actually. Last weekend, I was staying um, uh, Saturday night, stayed over at Francis's house, which is also where um, Ellen Noble and uh, Scott Smith and some other folks live. Um, and yeah, so we're all hanging out in the kitchen and chatting. And, and uh, Ellen mentioned that she was going overseas again soon. I said, oh my gosh, that's right. Is Coxide is coming up. And uh, he said, yep. And I was saying what I've said many times before, like, man, I can't even imagine riding that course. Like, that, that, that it's so, right, these huge sand dunes and just all this riding through tracked out sand, that just seems impossible. Like, I'd be doing, like, 15-minute laps, you know. Just... Yeah, and, and then the, there's just, like, these up and downs, too. So it's not even, like, the the, the difficulty of, of, like, the the Zonovan, like, crazy yeah. sand descent. It's like you have to ride the sand. Yeah, you have to ride it. So in what Ellen said that I thought was interesting, because she's done this race before, right? She said, this, essentially, this isn't a race that you can... Um, it's a race that rewards preparation. That you can't just... You, you just generally can't show up to it and just, like, expect to do well. You really have to get out mm-hmm. there and practice and get a feel for what the course is like. Uh, this year and, and really spend some time on it so that you can uh, then do good laps at the actual race and you know this is in contrast um, as you put it to a lot of other races that you can show up you know on the weekend and see the course for the first time um, and and still hope to do okay and Coxide isn't like that it's uh, 
a race where experience and practice uh, matter a lot. And does, you know, you're not, you're not Ellen, um, but you're in this conversation. Does that sort of extend to um, practicing like other sand? Because I know that there's that sort of East Hampton sand pit that, that all the area cycle crossers practice their sand stuff at. Does practicing that sand help you in Coxida or like, or is it like, no, 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 you have to, you have to practice like the Coxida course. You need to be there for a week doing your, your pre-rides. Oh, I don't know. I assume it's a little from column A and a little from column B. Sure, I did sure. get in, and we talked about this, uh, during a conversation that we'll get to, um, Francis and I talked about the sand cause I, we actually went out to, um, the sand pit. Um, there's a couple of them actually. It's pretty cool. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, it's a fairly specific sort of there's like big drops and whatever and it's good for working on big drops and there is like some riding on sand um too but it doesn't to me from having seen the cock side of videos uh, it doesn't look like most of that course mm-hmm. you know like you, you tend to have kind of loose sand um sort of for the walls the, the cliffs that you're <laughs> going down <laughs> um and then you tend to have it you know relatively packed down ground uh, maybe with some gravel on it at the bottom, uh, mm-hmm. which which seems like the actual sand drops seem comparable, and and maybe you can get there was definitely like a soft hill climb too, uh, mm-hmm. which was brutally hard, uh, but it doesn't it doesn't look the same, you know. Right, I think it's a different right. texture and and everything, but certainly I think going down these big sand drops uh, will be helpful. It was very exciting that's for sure (laughs) yeah you know i've seen some videos and and photos and and heard stories and uh definitely kicked myself that i didn't discover that i didn't i didn't find that out when i lived in northampton for a year right right yeah i would i would just go i mean there was like a spot by the river behind the airport behind the fairgrounds it's just all these cornfields i think these like muddy roads and and these muddy roads would like turn into like dipping and whooping paths near the river kind of out in the floodplain mm-hmm. that was pretty neat but not quite as neat as a sand quarry yeah all right so anyway uh that's we should probably move on from coxida and yeah we've said we've said all we have to say about coxida. yeah there's just not much to say because it, it's not happening it seems like and that's a that's a i mean it's a bummer for everyone who flew over um i don't i don't know what what they're gonna do now but you know these things happen i mean they're they'll they'll find another cyclocross race to race <laughs> oh i hope so okay uh what else do we have do you want to talk about a six day yeah so the you know i, I know i know some folks who uh are are over in belgium um and i, I think watching coke might have been on their plans um but they were there Largely to uh, to watch the Ghent Six Day, which is um, it's interesting. I, I don't know if our, our viewers are very familiar with six day races, but they are a sort of curious form of track race that are really that's it's separate from like the um, the UCI standard like international standard track races. You know the the schedules and the events that you'll find at a World Cup. Instead, a six day is like six straight days uh, of racing with just a variety of weird different events uh, throughout it. And it and it might, you know, change. Like any any given six is going to have its own sort of unique schedule. 
but by and large, um, people race in, in teams of two, and many of the races are, are Madison-based. Um, Madison being, you know, where you're, when you meet up with your partner, you grab hands and you throw your partner into the race like a tag team. And so while in, you know, sort of international standard racing, um, there is, an, you know, one event, the Madison, with a sort of specific protocol, um, the rules just changed, but it used to be uh, you know, 50 kilometers with um, sprints every five kilometers for points, um, points being uh, tiebreakers for teams that are on the same lap, but uh, laps taking prominence. Um, but unlike that sort of standard set of rules, a, a six-day, you know, they'll have Madison eliminations where the last team across the line um, after the bell is rung uh, gets pulled from the race and Madison scratch races and they'll have Madison time trials and then usually wow. each evening culminates in in like the big Madison of the evening where you know people are the teams are taking laps on each other and, and sprinting for points so it's kind of like this this six day long tournament where people are accruing points toward this overall standing right mm-hmm. they're accruing points they're taking laps on the field um and so the you know at the end of each night the scoreboard shows the the list of teams that are you know on on the lead lap and then one lap behind two lap behind three laps behind and so on and then their their point tally um, and usually there's a um, there's a rule that if you earn a certain number of points that sort of equals a lap and you trade in those points for for getting a lap back um, and and these things are designed around like pure entertainment. So the Ghent Six Day is held in this kind of legendary velodrome um, in the middle of Ghent's version of Central Park. Uh, and the velodrome is called the Kupke. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this tiny, it's a 166 meter velodrome. Um, and the, the infield is just packed with stands, uh, with fans. And, you know, my friends have told me that it's also like sort of the floor uh, of, of the infield there sort of covered in like a quarter inch of spilled beer. Yeah. Um, and there, you know, fans just all around the, you know, the, the, the bleachers sort of outside, you know, uh, ringing, ringing the exterior, the, not the exterior of the building, but the exterior of the track mm-hmm. inside the building, um, for, you know, hours and hours and hours of, um, bike racing and there'll be music playing and it's, it's this like great entertainment spectacle and the, you know, the, the sort of main event of, of all these Madison teams racing might be interrupted with, um, by a, a sprint tournament with some sprinters or derny racing, uh, or maybe there will be derny, derny racing that the, the main teams are contesting. Um, just sort of this like crazy, chaotic, freewheeling festival. Yeah. Uh, festival of bikes. And it's, it's said too that six day races are uh, somewhat fixed you know because there's not there's not a uci standard they're they're run by you know each promoter in, in whatever city that's putting them on is it's not so much that or what i understand is it's it's not so much that they're fixed it's just that the promoter uh tries try, makes the teams um understand that uh they make money when they sell tickets and they sell tickets when it's close until the final night sure yeah Makes sense. You know, it's a choreographed I, I, is, I think, the term that um, that winds up working for some people. It's <laughs> a politically correct way to put it. Yeah. Well, it's it's a little bit more nuanced than than fixed. And I, I did read, you know, one person who wrote extensively about six days said, uh, 
Yeah, you, you can say a six days is fixed, but even if it's fixed in your favor, you know, you still have to take a lap at 60 kph against the best six-day riders in the world. Right. So. But, you know, you do get... So, so that's... Yeah. You, you do get, you know, when... Uh, I mean, I, I remember, for example, uh, Eric Zabel doing a six-day on a team and... Look, Eric Zobel's team wins the six day, and I'm not saying like that isn't necessarily like mean that you know he was given that win, but I mean he's the headliner and he wins the race. You you know that does that right. does I happen mean, when you have pro roadies who will who will do it at the end of the season or or, or something like that, and and yeah, uh, often is not they they do win the event so. <laughs> sure and and you know right now like mark cavendish and bradley wiggins are are a team for the Ghent six and um i'm sure that the the organizer uh who used to be eddie Merckx's madison partner um oh, wow yeah is is you know wants the race to come down to a close battle on the on the final night which is tonight or really this afternoon if you're in in the states between uh cavendish and wiggins um and then uh, Ilya Viviani and Ilio Kaisa are teammates. So this is great. Ilio Kaisa is yeah. like the hometown favorite, and Ilya Viviani uh, is um, the Olympic champion, right? Uh, in the Omnium, right? Um, them and you know Kenny De Ketela and, and Marino De Pau, I think, are teaming up, and they're also you know sort of Belgian favorites. So like, uh, you know, they, they yeah they they want they want to be able to have those uh, those big names kind of duking it out against each other. Yeah. So in short, six days. They're cool. I think yeah, and so um, I think I think folks should uh, should check these things out. You know, keep keep your eye on on the sixes. Um, every now and then, you'll you'll be lucky enough to catch some some live streaming uh, or some some replays. They can be a little bit confusing, um, but they are also uh, pretty exhilarating. You know, to see to see people just whipping around this tiny track yeah. too is uh is really something else to see 12 teams you know 24 riders on a 166 meter track and and you know the some of the best people in the world doing this it's awesome awesome yeah check out go to youtube check out a six day race see what it looks like probably probably pretty cool look uh we we, i think we need to acknowledge the two-year anniversary of the kupka cat as well (laughs) <laughs> has it been two years since Kupka has it been Kat? three years it's been a, i don't think it's been three years i think it's been two years i don't know i wonder what kupka cat is doing now yeah i i would a few a few years ago for our for our listeners catching up uh a couple couple famous pictures made their way around the internet of yeah during the Ghent six a cat getting onto the track who who brought your cat to a six day who did that what happened here yeah. man crazy so there's a yeah there's some there's some photos of people looking uh like quite i don't know what what's the uh past participle of consternation like concerned uh just dodging this cat it was a near thing so anyway uh concerned definitely sounds like the right word to use here i'm not sure if it's the past participle or if it's a different type of uh wait yeah whatever it's been a long time since i'll leave i'll leave that one to you yeah, it's been a long time since Parsis speak, so I don't really know. I, but uh, yeah, um, we raise we raise a, a Trappist beer to you, Koopka Cat, wherever you are. Wherever you are, Koopka Cat, here's to you. Here's to you. All right. Um, so, as I mentioned, 
at the top of the show. And here's to you, little Koopka cat. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> That's all I got so far in that, but I think I'm going to work on that for next time. That's more or less what that song sounds like anyway. Yeah, well, that's that's it's definitely the like, melody. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if I had a little bit more prep, if you'd reminded me before the show, I could have prepped, you know, full lyrics to And Here's to You, Koopka Cat, to the tune of Simon and Garfunkel's Mrs. Robinson. Right. <laughs> Which is what that was for those of you who are like, that's that's not what that melody is. Uh, yeah, no. That's close, close enough. Close enough. Uh, all right. Anyway. Uh, so as I mentioned at the top of the yes. show, uh, we're using back, our... Back, back to your capable uh, segue. Yeah, it's very capable, and I'm using my very professional radio style terms. Uh, you know, we're, we're getting things done over here. Uh, I was at the UCI C2 race in Northampton last weekend, the uh, CSI uh, CycleSmart Northampton International. It's, it's not CSI CycleSmart, it's CS, the CS and CSI is CycleSmart. We used to call it the Cycle Smart International. Now it's the Cycle Smart Northampton International uh, Cyclocross Race. Uh, went out there, hung out with uh, Frances because you know she lives out there. Uh, went down some sand dunes, and uh, we then got on the microphone and talked about the race and kind of what it means to us personally. And we also talked a little bit about our sand pit adventure. And uh, anyway, let's go to that tape right now. So. Me and Francis in West Hampton. Right. Hello. We are coming to you from Northampton. Or actually, we're sitting in the uh, recording studio of Francis. Super high-tech recording studio. It is very high-tech. In we're... West Hampton, Massachusetts. Yes. <laughs> we're just sitting cross-legged on the floor. It's very exciting. Uh, but yeah, we're in town. Well, I'm in town. Francis lives here. But in town for the CycleSmart International UCI Cyclocross Race. Which, actually, it's not called that anymore. Oh, the, what is it called now? It is now the Northampton International Cyclocross Race. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, in, it's no longer CSI. We, we can no longer use that acronym. I hadn't actually... Uh, wow, that's interesting. I, I, I knew the Twitter account was NoHo CX, but I thought that was just to make it easier for people no, to No, I think they, they actually changed it last year. But this is the uh, 26th edition of the Northampton International Cyclocross Race, yeah. formerly the CycleSmart International Cyclocross Race, which Greg and I both have a fairly long history with. Yeah, probably not more so you. Years worth, no, but... <laughs> no, not at all. Well, the guy, <laughs> the guy that we should talk to is Adam Myerson or JD Billado or right. Uh, They're the ones who've been folks. putting on the race since time immemorial. Literally since yeah, the early '90s or something like that. It would be like '91. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it goes back. Um, a ways, I don't know. So this was the first cyclocross race that I ever saw in 2008. Uh, I think it was actually one of the first cyclocross races I ever saw, too, back when I was in college, before I raced. Right. So so this might have come up before, uh, but this is... We are in the Pioneer Valley, western Massachusetts, the Connecticut River Valley. This is where I went to college. It's where Francis went to college. Yep. Many colleges here. Many. There are many. There, there might even be five. There are there, actually more. There are, yep, there, yeah, actually there are. In the Pioneer Valley specifically, there are five, but then in the surrounding area, in the surrounding there are many area. more. Yeah, exactly. So so we're here, and, and uh, yeah, we used to do a lot of riding around here. We even we even rode bikes to, together a bunch of times, and then uh, anyway, we were not in the same place and didn't ride bikes. But we, we did this morning, and we'll talk about that a little bit. That was super fun. Uh, but yeah, so this race, 
Gosh, you, um, when you were, what, a three? You went and won this a couple when I was a days four. in a row. When you were four? It was okay. the first year I ever raced cyclocross in my breakout season. The best I've ever done in my athletic career was <laughs> I went and I won a shit ton of races. Started cyclocross, was like, oh, this is fun. And then proceeded to win both days of Cycle Smart International, both days of Down East. Um, and then I think shortly after that, I got an upgrade and started doing the UCI races. Because you could do them as a three. No, I, I upgraded. I, I double upgraded. You double upgraded? Oh, I, wow. I jumped from a four to a two. Well, that that's, you know, it seems logical, really. <laughs> well, they were kind of like, you are winning everything. <laughs> and I was like, I can't have UCI now? And they were like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's fine. Okay, I remember that you upgraded. I actually hadn't, because I do remember that I didn't, I hadn't even realized that you were a... Uh... Yeah, I did it in half a season. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. Oh, so this was what, 2009, right? Yeah, 2009. Yeah, yeah. Good year. Good yeah. year for you. Yeah, I didn't, so by the time I was racing cyclocross, I was actually in Tennessee, which is sort of a different scene, a little smaller. Yeah. And I didn't get to race here until 2013, actually. Wow. Um, when I broke myself extremely badly on the second day, it was an epic so, break. It was an epic break. I yeah. There's a there's a pretty steep uh, descent here, where you go down an embankment basically. And I <laughs> uh, let's not mince words. I fucked it up. I went over the handlebars. I fell a long way and landed on the very hard ground on the back of my shoulder. Um, with predictable results, my collarbone was in many pieces. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, I don't recommend doing that, by the way. It's no, especially because back in that edition of the race, that was the steepest part. But then they found a steeper part, and they put it in the pro line of the race, yeah, they found which a, yeah. is totally crazy. And now there's two. I did one yesterday, and I'll do the, um, the second one today. Yeah. And those are definitely like... You gotta, you gotta at least kind of know what you're doing to yeah. be able to make it through in one piece. Yeah, and now those kind of shoots are actually now my one of my weakest uh, skills in cross because I am very afraid of them. And now they're they're <laughs> cropping up all over the place ever since kind of the, uh, the cross scene in America decided to try and emulate the cross season cross scene in Europe um, by making kind of more well pro only lines. Yeah, pro basically. only lines basically making techier harder stuff that just typically had not been in american cross racing before yeah and that's legitimate because these drops you know they're it's an important skill and riding a big drop on a cross bike is hard it's, it is hard and you really need to get it right uh and so, <laughs> you know especially if you want to do it fast right because that's the problem i can go down them but going down them and the thing about a, a big drop on a cross bike is um i mean it's one thing if it's smooth right but a lot of times they're kind of stutter bumpy and messed it's, up it, and... it's more just knowing how to position your body and not panicking and hitting your brakes really hard and sending yourself over the bars basically right. which is quite easy to do but a lot of these drops are once you do them a couple of times and you kind of learn the technique behind them are not that difficult they're just they're mentally difficult because there's they're, that yeah. hurdle you have to get over of where you roll up to the edge and you're like that looks like i'm gonna die Right, but yeah. other people are doing it, and they don't seem to be dying. <laughs> they don't seem to be dying. Well, the, the thing that's crazy is, you know, you look at it from the bottom, and it doesn't look that bad. Like objectively speaking, right, it's not that high. And you watch other people doing it, and it looks really, oh, that looks pretty easy. And then you get to the top, <laughs> and, and you're like, oh, and you're fuck. like, oh, actually, this is way worse than I thought. Yeah, and all some of, of sudden, that have that sensation where you roll up and you can't see over the edge until you get to the lip. Right, which and is... that's a, a frightening mental because you're kind of like oh, shit, is this just a straight-off wall? Am I about to go over a cliff? Yeah. Yeah, so, so I spent a lot of last summer, actually, or, or fall, 
practicing big shoots on my cross bike on like mountain bike trails and whatever and i got to the point where i could ride them just not fast uh but yeah i, I don't know if i'll ever be the same <laughs> after that it's tough uh, when you experience. really break yourself that bad it, it, go back to where your mind was pre pre smashing yeah it's it's really hard it's it's very hard to be i mean i was sort of uh injury i mean not that this is bad i was sort of injury averse when i was 19 you know it's and i'm 12 years older than that now so it's uh <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's definitely it's a hurdle everyone has to kind of continuously uh jump over but you have an advantage here in practicing those sorts of things i do i do have a huge advantage <laughs> yeah and that's that <laughs> we are right down the street from a gigantic sand pit it's like a quarry for sand mm-hmm. sand basically. quarry yeah. Pretty much. I mean, it's active. They're actively, like, using giant equipment to mine sand out of it. There's a giant hole in the ground with, like, ramps and drops, and they are huge and soft, and it is like, you know, it's like going down a huge drop at, you know, I don't know, Coxida, for example. It's not the same, right? But, like, that's the idea, right? If you look at these giant shoots, yeah. these zero shoots that are really sandy, or, or like, I don't know, uh, Zonovan. I don't think that it's even, like, Zonovan's drops are so big that it's, like... Yeah, but I mean, you prepare. you get at least get you get a sense of what they would be like in training in a sand pit. Yeah, so and we went so we went over there today, which was really awesome. Yep, we um, did an early morning sand pit session. Yeah, and in which I stuck Greg on my fat bike. He's yes, never ridden a fat bike. Before. Never ridden a fat bike before. <laughs> Just because the fat bike is uh, kind of the the way we like to explain it to our guests when we take them sand pitting is that uh, cross bike is hard training. Fat bike is playground. Yeah, and the thing is, we were discussing this when we were there. You can you can do things on a cross bike that you would never be brave enough, not on a cross bike, sorry, on a fat bike, that you would never be brave enough to try. Certainly, I wouldn't be brave enough to try on a cross bike, for example, or even a mountain bike. Mm-hmm. But you can go and do it on the fat bike and be like, oh, okay, I didn't die, and, and maybe then translate that skills you learn hopefully to skinnier tires it's like uh, the phrase i used i'm very proud of this uh was it's, it's like training wheels for getting rad right like, yep it's exactly that because i mean it is exactly like that right because there's like some there's some room for safety there but it doesn't prevent you from riding right especially if you use the training wheels correctly where it's supposed to be a little off the ground so you can tip a little bit um you know, once they're not touching the ground, you're fine. Right. And, and there were not actually like training that. wheels on the fat There were not actually training wheels. Just to clarify. Since we've gone so deep into that metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think if there were training wheels on the fat bike, that probably would have ended extremely badly. Oh, yeah. Horribly badly. But it was cool. We went to, we rode up a big hill. There was a giant drop. Um, had to really scope out <laughs> the descent before I went down yeah, it. Put the bikes to the side and stand over the lip and go, Ooh. Okay, okay. And then we watched <laughs> Trevor's boyfriend, Tra- Trevor, go down it. Yes, Trevor's um, own boyfriend, Trevor. Oh, is that what I said? Yeah. Well, Trevor is his own boyfriend. He's that <laughs> Francis's boyfriend. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I, Trevor... I slept on a futon. Right? My brain isn't working right. <laughs> Trevor went down at first, and then Greg was like, all yeah. right, I'll do that. I was like, he doesn't look very dead. <laughs> so I can probably do that. So yeah, I go over the top, and uh, as I say, I went, over the, I went over the lip, and I'm like, this is fine. And then... You know, I'm on 4.6 inch tires. I'm like, what? What could go wrong? And the front wheel starts washing out a bit, and it's like, wow, this is really loose. If you could actually have your front wheel start sliding around on, um, 
Giant, on a fat bike, moon giant bike. squash, squishy fat bike. So that was, I was very frightened. Uh, <laughs> very, very frightened. I don't know if I've been that frightened on a bike in a long time, but I held it together. I was like, all right, okay, I know what happens. I know what to do when my front wheel starts moving around. Yep. Like, you just chill out. Don't, don't lock up. Yep. You, know, you made it, you made it through. I made and it I, through. I washed from the top and had that moment of like... <laughs> Uh-oh. Am I, I going to kill Greg? <laughs> am I going to be like picking up little pieces of Greg from the floor of the sand quarry? Dragging him back to my house. This, and, and this is not an unreasonable fear. This has happened before. Like the first time we ever rode bikes together. Oh my God. <laughs> sand is like your nemesis. Sand sand is my nemesis. It's really true. That, that was sand on the shoulder on the side of a road because we were on road bikes. But That's a pretty funny story. We were trying to ride up to my friend's house in New Hampshire and you were riding my old road bike. Yes. It was the old yellow trek 1000 the first yeah, road bike yeah. i ever got when i was with sora. 12 yeah with with uh shimano sora and i don't i don't remember exactly what happened i think we were actually having a conversation about like how what brake you pull or something when you get in a squirrely situation and I rode through sand and you were behind me and you just yard sailed into the pavement. Well, because you were, you were brake, I don't forget why, but you were slowing down and I don't remember why. It might have been because the sand was thick or something. But... Yeah, and I panicked and grabbed the brakes too hard. Yep, and total yard sale <laughs> and we're like in the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire and Greg's bleeding everywhere. And I remember we... <laughs> the brakes on the bike were stuck. We were across the street from a like tobacco liquor shop. tobacco shop. <laughs> I walked in there and I was like, "Do you guys have band-aids?" <laughs> yeah. So there's uh, a history. There's there's a history there. But uh, I lived. We did we, we did a few more things. We hit a pretty sweet, almost like a giant berm, essentially. It's a wall um, ride. It's a wall ride. Mm-hmm. I got to do a, like a sandy wall ride on a Sit fat bike, and it was ride. basically uh, I'd never ridden a fat bike before, and now uh, for Christmas I need a fat bike in a sand pit. Yep. Basically, I can't exactly can't live without it. Um, so that was cool. So that was really enjoyable, and, and um, hope to do some more of that sometime. But yeah, so um, I don't know if there's anything else to say about this. I feel like I feel like this race is really pretty central to New England cyclocross. It is, yeah. I mean, it's definitely been kind of the the capstone of New England, not New England, but Massachusetts cyclocross. Yeah, yeah. For a good while, I mean, having it be the uh, oldest UCI race in the country. Um, so yeah, it's it's got history, and it's a uh, uh, it's definitely they they've done a lot to try and improve the course over the last couple mm-hmm. of years. They've put in um, some more interesting sections, the pro sections, um, just kind of made it a little more interesting because it does it did have the reputation of kind of being a grass crit. Yeah. Um, and it's like you know it's, it always turns into to group racing and it's good for riders who basically just kind of have a lot of power and can slog through the grass. But they've they've done enough. Put it, implemented enough changes that it is actually now more interesting and yeah. not quite so. Uh, it doesn't quite favor the the pure power riders as much as it did before. Though I also feel like the grass. I mean, I, I don't really know because I, I feel like the grass sections have become more. There's more emphasis on like heavy straight line grass riding now than there used to be when there are a lot to be used oh, to be I a lot like more turns. Less. Interesting. All right. I feel like there's. I feel like I. It's. It's right. more because they put a lot more of the turns into like the baseball fields with sure. the, the the tamp down sand. Oh yeah, and yeah. So that that's makes true. it more, eh, less emphasis on the grass corners. Yeah. Than there was before. Yeah, it has changed a lot over the years too. Because there was like a road at the back that uh, used to get used for the start, uh, and that's now. Um, down. It's actually a finish on the grass now. Has been for a few years. So much safer. 
Yeah, it, it's true. It, I, I mean, I, that's certainly that's certainly why. There's a little bit of pavement that has also been used for the start shoot, but, like, it's so flat. People get up to such high speeds. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was, like, um, I think maybe in, like, 2010 or 2011, there was a collision with a UCI official where the UCI official actually got really, really badly hurt. Yeah, right. Um, from a rider who was sprinting to finish their race and... You know, I don't know who's, you know, blame can be placed wherever, but, you know, the UCI yeah. was walking across the finish line and didn't have his head up and yeah. ended up getting just obliterated. Yeah. So, so people, yeah, I think that there's many reasons to have moved the um, finish and start shoot off the pavement, but definitely yeah. makes it safer. Yeah. So anyway, it's in, you know, in, in just in, in terms of. Uh, it's just a race that goes back a long time in Massachusetts. It doesn't have the same, you know, it doesn't have the prestige of Gloucester or something like that. But I I think, you know, Western Massachusetts is uh, kind of the epicenter of New England cyclocross just in terms of where the development is and sort of where the people who've been involved for a long time are situated and and all that. And so it really is like a a homecoming uh, race for a lot of people. And it it even started out in the same... um, basically on the hill uh where at the residential area at U- umass where i lived as an undergraduate it started there though in the 90s you know a good uh, over 10 years before i went to school there but which tells you something about how old it is but yeah so it's cool so we're gonna um we're gonna talk to a couple more people uh today and yeah we're gonna have a good time because this is always a good one and um it's it's always nice to have a race that's like a home race for you, whether it's a UCI race. Yeah, hometown or, race. Yeah, exactly. And and this is that for, I think, a lot of people here. And, and hopefully you out there have your races or events that are kind of your local thing where kind of all your all your people come out. Because um, it's a nice homecoming. You know, we're here in this house. Um, I've seen a lot of people who either I've known for a long time, like Francis, or um, who I know of or, you know, or am familiar with but don't super know really well. And, and it's great to get together and be like, all right, this is, you know, it's about the community. And uh, yep, have exactly. a good time with people. So looking forward to more of that today. So anyway, uh, we're going to head back to the studio now and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, get back to the rest of the show. So out. Uh, we're back. And <laughs> I thought it was Northampton. Northampton is where the race is, uh, and and West Hampton is where Francis lived. So, all right. I think you're just switching up the Hamptons willy nilly. <laughs> right. So, so you just heard us talk. Uh, there's <laughs> there's many Hamptons actually. There's one for every cardinal direction. Um, I will point out that East Hampton is south. Yeah, of Yeah, it Hampton. doesn't make any sense. Uh, but West Hampton is west of it, so or southwest. Anyway. All right. Anyway, so you heard us talking there about uh, what the race kind of means to us and our history with it. And I think that uh, you could probably talk a little bit about uh, this Northampton cross race as well, Matteo. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I got some, some jealousy and some uh, fear of missing out for not being able to get up there uh, this year because you and I had a fun time there last year together, uh, which was really great. Um, I was in town for work and decided to extend the trip. Uh, long enough to stay there for the weekend and I had a bike with me and was able to set up that bike uh, for you as a pit bike which fortunately uh, you didn't need to use because well it's always better not to need your pit bike um, 
It was fun, you know. I'm, I as as our listeners are probably tired of hearing me say, I'm not much of a cyclocross uh, racer or mm-hmm. rider, but I did I did have fun trying to follow you around on a pre ride and then uh, stacking it pretty hard in the sand pit. Oh, did you? I um, forgot about you spin- crashing in the sand. Pit. Yeah, <laughs> and it was it was I was feeling kind of confident, you know. Um, was feeling good about my bike and good about my fitness and I like built up a nice head of steam and sort of did the little kind of like hop into the sand pit coast and then try and like take a couple stabbing pedal strokes to get that last bit of momentum to, to get out of it um, but I guess I was just a little bit kind of optimistic and definitely found myself coming in a little bit hot <laughs> and halfway or two-thirds of the way through the sand pit you know the sand will just grab your front wheel and then there I was kind of really uh really yard oh, sailing man. All over that, all over that sand pit, and I spent a while uh, finding <laughs> sand in my like socks and in my. I was just, I wasn't wearing kit. I was just wearing, right. you know, whatever, whatever mess around clothes. I had like sand in my pockets and like in the cuffs of my shirt and everywhere. <laughs> I. But that was that was that was a lot of that was a lot of fun. It was a good time hanging out there last year, and it, it, it was you know it was partially uh extra special because it's i always like going back to northampton uh i lived there for a year um and uh the cycle smart northampton international was like the first big big cross race that i did in my first sort of taste of of real uh cyclocross um you know other than like a, a small little local race and sort of my first chance seeing seeing pros kind of race up close and personal um and to see like you know, really, really impressive riders doing the thing that they do best, uh, better than, better than most other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, uh, it held a special place in my heart. It was formative. Yeah. Yeah. Much, much as, uh, me and Faith were discussing, I think it was the first, first big race as well that, that we saw in your, I'm actually the only one of us who it wasn't kind of the first big race I did just because I <laughs> never did it before moving away and then moving back. So, uh, yeah, so we were there, and while we were there, we had some some pretty good access to some people who are like legitimate bike racers, and uh, I keep bumping this printer with my elbow with people who are legitimate bike racers and uh, have thoughts on many things, articulate and interesting people, and uh, we got to talk to them, which was really cool. So uh, I'm gonna kick us over to our first little interview, uh, Ellen Noble the u23 american cyclocross champion um in case that isn't <laughs> in case that uh, needs to be repeated uh, also i believe uh, u23 pan america champion uh so you know that's pretty good that's not bad at all uh she was very kind to sit down with us for a few minutes on sunday morning before heading off to the race and uh, we had a nice little chat so we're gonna roll that right now Okay, we're back. It's it's once again me and Francis in the high tech recording studio here in West Hampton, Massachusetts. But now we have a special guest. It is none other than uh, I don't know how formal how formally I should introduce you, but Ellen Noble, the great Ellen Noble, the great yes, the legend. <laughs> I don't know about that, but hello, hello, welcome. <clears throat> Thank you for having me. Yeah, not at all. Of in course, in your own house. Yes, in your own house. Well, we figured we'd make it easy for you. <laughs> So, uh, I don't know, uh, we've got a couple minutes, but we're, so we're here for, um, what is it, Cycle Smart Northampton International? Yeah, I guess it's Northampton Cyclocross this yeah. year, which is 
feel like we were finally getting getting into I was finally getting it in my head that it's Cycle Smart and now it's Northampton, so I'm just calling it the race down the street. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's that's right. That's 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 what it is. Okay, so this is like your hometown race, basically. Yeah. Well, right now anyway. Mm-hmm. Um so do you approach that I don't know, is it like a different feeling doing this race than some of the other races you'd travel for? Um, yeah, it's kind of, it's funny because I think a lot of people put a lot of pressure on the hometown race, but for me, it's kind of like, you know, it's like the one race a year that I didn't have to like fly to and, um, you know, do a bunch of like crazy travel stuff. Like we just kind of like took the van out of Jeremy's driveway, drove it over. Like, you know, it's 1045 and I'm still at the house. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's super chill. And for me. it's a bonus if I can have a good result, but it's kind of, it's just a weekend that like, I don't want to miss out on racing, so I'm going to do it, but it's not something that, uh, you know, I'm putting a ton of pressure on myself to perform at. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. You could could practically, I mean, not because it's a cross race, but you can practically ride to the race. Yeah, I would if it wasn't um, so reliant on, you know, if you didn't need a ton of clothes and stuff like that. (laughs) If I had planned better, I probably could have, but yeah, I ride by Look Park all the time on my rides. Yeah, so. we all do. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not even going to ride down there for the same reason. Because yeah. I'd have to bring, like, my entire wardrobe's worth of mm-hmm. clothing. Yeah, ride with, like, a 10-pound backpack would be... Yep. Not, like, yeah. the ideal warm-up, but... Especially for it. course teardown afterward, yep. which you have experience with. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Tense course teardown. Mm-hmm. That's, like, the, the whole jam public service thing, right? Yes. Jam is a lot more than just making good bike racers. It's about making good people and showing them you know kind of like how to build a strong community and that means sometimes you may not race well but you helped put on a great event so it's really cool to see it coming together well this year and awesome yeah i'm really excited for everyone yeah that's actually that's a that's a very good lesson for people you like like your bike races help help out with them volunteer Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah absolutely we like you know these events all of them but you know including uh northampton this year like can't be done without volunteers so it's really great. If you want to see an event keep going, then definitely lend a helping hand before, during, or after your race is always always appreciated. So yeah. um, one thing. So we're going to shift away, I think, from from the racing a little bit. Uh, and just one thing, I think it, it comes up almost every year that uh, I just want to wonder what your thoughts are on, well, people talk about heckling in cross races. Like, mm-hmm. what are you, I don't know, is it like good? Is it bad? Or should people maybe reconsider it like what's going on with with that yeah i mean there's definitely a fine line with heckling it's it's just like anything it's just like you know it's just teasing a lot of the times but sometimes people can like really uh like hit a nerve with it so i think like if you have something like funny totally silly that you want to say to a friend or a person that you know well like that's totally fine like a lot of times i get heckled like you know if someone has a cute dog or something they'll be like do it for like so and so dog or like um people will say stuff like oh my god, it's Jeremy Powers, like, if we're in the same kit, and, you know, like, silly stuff like that, where it's, like, that's totally funny to me, but I've also had some people say some stuff that, like, I remember every single one of them, and a lot of them I don't want to say. Yeah, Um, yeah. (laughs) but don't have to. But, like, yeah, and so it's kind of, it's like, why would you say that to me? Like, you know that that's not appropriate to say, and so it's like, you know, if you're saying something that you're kind of like, ooh, is that mean? Like, yeah, you probably shouldn't have said it. Especially so, when they don't know you. Because a lot of this, the meanest ones come from the people that don't know you, mm-hmm. but kind of feel like they have that uh, that familiarity with you because, like, you know, most professional cross racers are so accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, Where people are like, 
they've like never met you they don't know anything about you and like they don't know but that they like think they do yeah they think that they know everything and <laughs> i actually like the worst one that someone said to me was like accusing me of cheating oh my and God. i was like yeah you don't know anything about me and i think if you actually paid attention to what i'm doing you would not be saying right this so i was like damn that one really hurt but you know it i mean like if you're tough about it it doesn't matter but sometimes it can really like can really cut deep so i think like if you're going to an event and you're trying to decide if you should heckle like lighthearted teasing is one thing but for the most part maybe just say go 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 and like give people splits or yeah or like you know if you if you've got friends in the race be like wait for my friends yeah yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> like i mean i've had the chance to spectate a lot of races which is like super fun especially like with the men's race being after ours and like even like i was cheering for my boyfriend yesterday and i was like oh my god you are so cute <laughs> <laughs> you know like he was having a pretty rough day and i think like i like to imagine that that would make him at least smile a little bit like in the midst of yeah. pretty like painful race so yeah i think uh like a funny compliment can usually go a lot better than something like really hurtful and false <laughs> you know yeah, don't and, be yeah. yes absolutely yeah. Don't, don't, don't 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 be, be that guy nope. so um okay i think that we've had you for a little bit uh we're gonna let you go soon but uh you're a dog lover right i am through and through yeah so <laughs> Uh, actually, one thing I wanted to ask you about, because you spent some, some time in different scenes, is are there different dog scenes in American Cyclocross or dogs of any CX different from, like, dogs of uh, uh, Portland CX? Or I don't know if you spend much time there, actually. I haven't spent the... any time in Portland, yeah. but I have but... seen a lot of the scenes. Um, and there are, like, you know, we have, like, Winston, just to, like, name mm -hmm. one. Uh, he's, like, the New England local hero. But then... <laughs> he's a corgi. Um, he's a corgi. If you don't know him, he's Winston Porkchop. He has a Facebook page. Um... You know, and then there's, like, Shimano the Pug in Wisconsin. Um, there's Trey. He's a greyhound that wears a buff. I think he's, like, in, <laughs> in that area yeah. as well. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of them. And then there's uh, there's Simon, the corgi that chased the men at Louisville last year. He wears the, um, the kind of, like, Hannibal Lecter mask. And, yeah, you know, like, there's a bunch of them. But, like, they all have, like, these, like, little personas and i've gotten to meet most of them but i hope to meet so you feel more. like a doggy friend in every port i do yeah that's really great mm -hmm. well well do you have any like for for the dog lovers out there any recommended recommendations for like twitter accounts or facebook pages to follow for... yeah so my favorite one right now like my best buddy that i just met was adventures with trey he's on instagram nice. he's really awesome um but my favorite dog account on facebook right now is dog spotting of course that's an old one but old friends senior dog sanctuary is a rescue facility in tennessee that has 50 do 50 dogs at their home right now but over 200 dogs in their program and they adopt dogs that are over the age of 10 or 11 and try to give them really good ends of their life um and then they try to, if possible, place them with families um, and help offset the medical costs of having an old dog. So I love it because they're like really reshaping uh, like the images around having an older dog, which I think there used to be like a lot of negativity around old dogs, but now they're really like showing just oh. how beautiful the last few years of their life can be. So Absolutely. check them out and maybe make a donation. Yeah. Thanks. Any, anything else, Francis, or are we? No, I think that's, that's pretty good. You know, we stole Ellen for a couple minutes here. It's been awesome, Ellen. Thank you for stepping into my office. <laughs> I'll be next door in my office if you need me. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah. Our thanks show. for having me. Have a good one. Okay. Thank you. Okay. We're back. And yeah, it was Ellen. So thanks, Ellen, for sitting down with us. Uh, that was 
really great little interview and uh yeah so take note dog lovers of the internet sources she's provided for you and uh take note also on heckling you know be be nice to people be excellent to each other <laughs> did you have a... i haven't i haven't met ellen but i she seems really she seems really good. she's really great having actually um been able to spend you know a significant amount of time just uh you know on saturday evening just kind of hanging out with a bunch of people ellen and a bunch of people um you know making dinner and and talking and and whatever and yeah she's great she's really uh she's a good person i think <laughs> i don't know what else to say she's very articulate and uh interesting and um fun to hang out with so I, I, I have a certain fandom for, for, for Ellen, not just because she's, you know, an incredible bike racer, um, but also it seems, seems like she's doing a, a capable job of balancing um, being a college student with being a bike racer. And she's, she's studying public health, which is my field as a sort of professional. I don't, I don't do uh, podcast hosting for a living. Uh, <laughs> I have a, I have a, a nine, a nine to five or sometimes a eight to five ish or eight thirty to, it doesn't matter the yeah. hours. Um, but I. I, I'm a public health professional, and Ellen's studying public health, so that's a little cool little, like, high-five. Like, yeah, bike racers, <laughs> study the same stuff. That's neat. Yeah, like it's that. cool. It's Yeah, and it's 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 good to have uh, another thing going on. Uh, I think in addition yeah. to, to being a bike racer, a lot of people uh, don't have that opportunity to have other things going on in addition to being a bike racer. And, uh, uh, you know, um, that's not to say that doesn't work out for them necessarily, um, but, you know, it's good to have uh, other things that you can do because... Even if you're a really good bike racer, you can't be a bike racer forever. So, I mean, you know, a pro bike racer anyway. I guess is what I mean. <laughs> you can, you can, yeah. you can, you can race bikes like we do <laughs> for a long time without it interfering with things. A long, long, long time. time. So yeah, and so uh, so we talked to Ellen a little bit about uh, heckling, and that is also a theme. Uh, that we dressed in talking to friend of the show Dan Shabanoff on the Richard Sachs Cyclocross team. Um, we, after, I don't know, a little bit of, um, <laughs> shall we say, uh, audio and Twitter harassment, <laughs> we we tracked <laughs> tracked him down uh, at Northampton at the bike race, and uh, we sat down in his uh, 2003 Pontiac Vibe or whatever it was, and uh, we had a little conversation. So <laughs> so we're going to go to that now. So here's Dan Shabanoff. All right, well, we're, we're rolling now. Okay. So this is Greg here at the CSI, Cycle Smart Northampton International Cross Race. Uh, we in, are in Dan Chavanoff's 2003 Pontiac vibe. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah we're at the Atmobile. With the... no, 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 the Atmobile is next to us. Okay, this, they... is, this is just like one of the the like flanking ships. Right. Okay. So yeah. it's it's a it's it's a flanking ship. It's yeah, part of the all, formation. We all, yeah, we all fly in formation behind the <laughs> behind the big Honda van. Well, there's a good draft behind that van. It's true. It's true. All right. So uh, so how about this course? So. For a lot of people I know, this is like a homecoming race or like a home race, but for you, it's a travel, travel day. Yeah, this has always been a big travel day for not, I mean, it's not terrible. I feel like the nice thing about being in the like Philly, New York area is that you're actually close to a lot of races. So like while everything is a bit of a drive, you know, like all the New England races are a bit of a drive, 
a lot of the Mac races are much closer and you know things are more accessible yeah. Whereas I feel like if you're in New England, the Mac races are like just too far for most people. Right. So, so I get to do both scenes, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So, so Mac is can uh, just what is that? The Mid Atlantic oh, Cyclocross series, cool. or just like the Mid Atlantic uh, Cyclocross area. You know, right. sort of like NECX. You know, like Nebraska Cyclocross. Uh, <laughs> sure. Sure. That's uh, like my running joke about New England. Sorry, guys. No, it's fine. It's um, fine. Well, there's, you know, there's BECX. That's Belgium cyclocross. Right, right. So basically, you know, like they're um, back in the uh, USGP days, there was, so there was the USGP, there was the, you know, like the Verge series, uh, or might have been something else at the time. I think it was the Verge series for a very long time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then there was the Mac series. Um, so there's like those three series that were like getting really big, and then the, the UCI like decided to enforce that eight race rule, and then a lot of them shrunk. Um, and right. like Mac is kind of weird because some races are UCI races and some races are not. Um, whereas like the Victoria series is all UCI races. Oh, okay, um, yeah, right. So like I, I, I think this is the more professional race series still but uh i have a strong affinity for the mac races because those were like the first races i started racing in right in like 2008 um yeah cool but i, I you know this is you know the cycle smart international what are we calling it i guess so i think it's the cycle smart northampton international that's the official now. name. I think, I think, I think, I, or the Vittoria Series Cycle Smart Northampton International. AKA the Grass Crit World Championship. <laughs> yeah, I think it's less Grass Critty than it used to be, but well, how do you feel about this course? So today we're doing it backwards, uh, like 100% backwards, and I think mm -hmm. this is probably the best course that we've had here. Uh, yesterday we did it the like the very traditional course with a couple mm -hmm. new things, but today I think it's really good. There's a really awesome off camber section. Yeah. Um, there's a nice drop, um, two nice drops actually, and like some the woods section we run backwards today, which I think is more more fun and challenging. Um, last year I was only able to race Sunday, and so when they left out the wood section of Sunday's course, I was a little disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Um, yesterday, you know, predictably with the grass crit, we had really big group racing. Uh, I think we had two groups of like eight up front that split, and then five. Yeah, because you were in that front group for a few laps. I was in the front group for like a lap and a half and then right, basically okay, well. basically i was in the you know like i just you kind of i was actually talking about this with adam because we were in that chase group together mm -hmm. and he was saying you know like how he, he was feeling pretty good and he like similarly to me made the decision when that gap opened up to the front group of eight we all just you know both he and i decided separately but uh but to more not to not time, to yeah. not close that gap because it was it's kind of the you know um i feel like i've mentioned this a few times now but it's like you have to know how good you are and how good you're not right and for me it's kind of a decision of like okay well i could probably get close that gap right now but the likelihood is that i will get blown off that group and i will just drift further and further back or i can sit here race for top 10 in the second group and have a bike race 
Yeah. You know, or I could just like potentially throw my bike race, you know. And of course, you know, you have to be willing to lose to win and there's all that. But like that's a benefit of experience, right? Cuz with a rate with a course like this where there's this flat section where you can you can draft for sub- substantial portions of it, like you can fool yourself into thinking, right, that you can hang on for a while. Right, exactly. But when things get serious, if you blow yourself up, it's still a cross race. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it, it it's definitely like um you know, when I when I speak to athletes who are newer in the sport, I definitely encourage them to like go all in, you know, and race their bikes and go, you know, go for broke, you know, because like you have to build that experience to know when to not do it, you yeah. know, and yeah. I and I feel like unfortunately or fortunately or unfortunately, like I have that experience now where I know, well, I know how hard I need to go when and when I need to do it, you know, to have a good race and uh, kind of let the chips fall where they may. And yes, yesterday, unfortunately, I ended up 11th because of some last lap argy-bargy, um, yeah. which is, like, n- typical for, like, a, a group race like this. Uh, so that's right at the right out of the UCI points then. That's yeah, kind of a yeah, yeah. bummer. Yeah, we, I think... Uh, we all kind of like affectionately call it the dick spot, <laughs> which also applies if you're just at a payout. So like if yeah. you get, you know, if it pays 15 deep and you get 16th dick spot. Um, yeah. When you're in lower categories, that's when you're one spot out of the upgrade points. Also, the, yeah. Like pretty much when you're like the spot where like you get nothing for it. It's a, right. It's yeah. That's, it hurts. Yeah, exactly. So before uh, we should probably uh, wrap up, um, but <laughs> I know I can, I can talk for a long time. No, it's I, great I, though. I'm, yeah, appreciate it. Uh, but something I, I'm wondering, you've been you've been talking a bit, uh, both both in your, uh, I think a little bit on your appearances on, I think on Crosshairs and, and uh, maybe on Twitter too. But uh, heckling, you want you want to give us like your philosophy about heckling and maybe differences you've experienced in in different regions about that. Well, related, but... um, sure. I think that for the most part. Um, you know, like, definitely in the U.S., like, heckling culture is a thing, but, you know, like, it's come up several times with, like, for instance, I think heckling and, like, partying at the races became, uh, of course. <laughs> oh, you into it? A little bit. We'll finish this in a minute. It's all right. <laughs> uh, Richie just wants to get a quote in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anyway. Richie just opened the door of the 2003 Pontiac. He's walking over back to the Honda Odyssey now. Uh, anyway, so, you know, I think this came up in, like, the, the Cross Vegas, like, beer-throwing incident. Mm-hmm. And I, basically my philosophy is, like, if you're one of the people that, like, comes to the Cross races to party and have a good time and, like, yell at people and drink beer, that's cool. Just keep it on your side of the tape, you know? Like, yeah. Don't don't get aggro at people because they like don't want to take your beer hand up, or don't get aggro at people if you're like you know like. It's fine to yell like do a wheelie at somebody. For sure. It's not cool when they don't do that wheelie because they're like racing or doing their own thing or like you know what. Yeah, it's not cool to get angry at that person and then be like you suck, you know. And like I see that all the time, like people feel like when they're on the course partying that like the racers need to indulge them and it's like 
you know, yeah. you know, it's like let me do my bike race and I'll let you do your thing. It's like it's the you know it's, it's the same way that like you don't see people that take racing seriously. You know, sometimes this goes both ways. Like people that take racing too seriously, trying to get other people to take racing too seriously. That's not cool either. You know, it's like you yeah. gotta let everybody kind of do what they're comfortable with or what they're passionate about. You know, whether that's like having a, ni- a nice time at a bike race or whether that's like taking the bike race seriously like who are you to tell anyone like how seriously they should or shouldn't be taking something that they're enjoying you know it's like that's kind of my thing and and if you're gonna yell something at a stranger you know like my kind of you know obviously it's never cool to yell anything like homophobic racist misogynistic sexist like those things that should go without saying, but for some reason people like don't really get that. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm really baffled by. And so like barring all of that, generally if you're okay with like coming up to somebody in the parking lot after the race and saying it to their face, it's probably okay for you to like yell it to them as a joke, you know, but that that should be the test. Like can you walk up to somebody when they're not riding past you at whatever 20 miles an hour and say it to them because if, if you're okay with doing that then it's probably fine and it'll probably be funny that's a good test I like that I, I think, think most good. people just like aren't most people aren't like clever enough and uh, what they end up doing is just like hurtful or insulting and I just want to share like one anecdote that happened at KMC is like you know uh, me and my teammate Brilly were pre-riding and she broke her ankle over the summer and she was having a hard time with like coming back from injury and just like confidence and like um all those things and just like unclipping you know like twisting your foot out with an yeah. ankle that's been recently oh, yeah. broken is like really tough and there was a guy on the side of the course you know we came to the run up and she was just like standing there having a really hard time getting her foot out because it hurt and there was a guy on the side of the course being like just yelling at her to like twist her foot harder and it's like dude like don't first of all don't mansplain to a pro bike racer yeah Brittley I think knows how to get out of pedals yeah and second of all like maybe there's something here going on that you're like not aware of and like maybe you interjecting in this way is like not helpful at all (laughs) right and in fact really hurtful and like really getting at the core of what something is struggling with in that moment and like people just don't think about that stuff and what really sucked is that I like told him this in not so many words and his response was like I love the sport something along the lines of I love the sport too and it's like don't take it so seriously and it's like dude I uh, don't yeah. think you do <laughs> or if the way that if this is your way of loving this sport I think you need to like reconsider what love means yeah um, yeah so yeah I'll just leave it at that cool <laughs> all right sorry it's no probably, it's probably good. more words than you bargained for yeah well you know but that's okay it's uh it just means we've got that much better show thanks so much Dan <laughs> yeah, Chavanoff absolutely coming happy, on the happy to do it show and uh yeah good luck in your race today thanks man and uh maybe hey go for that 10th place today hopefully maybe that'll happen well let's go for (laughs) 8th sure yeah that way if I fail I still got 2 more spots or like I don't know we'll figure it out cool okay
Dan, yes, thank you, thank you again to Dan for sitting down with us. It was really great to talk to him. Um, really had a good time, and I actually spent uh, more time with the Richard Sachs team than I expected because I ended up pitting for uh, Brittley Bowman. <laughs> oh, nice! Yeah. I, it was it was kind of funny actually. Before um, doing the recording, I, I was actually just heading into town to the race from Francis's house. Um, I'd stopped at uh, Thorns Marketplace. Maybe familiar. Ah, Thorns yeah. Market. Oh, yes. Uh, because there was a coffee shop there, and I got, uh, like, a ham and cheese croissant and a coffee. Hmm. It was good. And I look at my phone, and I've got a Twitter direct message saying, Hey, <laughs> are you available uh, to pit for for Britley? At the race today, there's a direct message from Dan. And I was like, uh, well, I've never pitted before, but I'm here. So, yeah, and it turned out to be fine. Uh, I learned how to stand with a bike and keep my head on a swivel and move around as needed uh, and yell encouragement and whatever. Uh, and no one's bike broke, which was good. So <laughs> I didn't have to catch anyone's bike <laughs> at any point. <laughs> this I this is funny. Now, you, you didn't mention that you uh, pitted for Britley. I, I think it's funny because last year I pitted for uh, Dan and Britley. And so we, we need to ma- maybe change the name of our podcast to the Honest Bicycle Program. We pit for the Richard. Yeah, Sachs exactly. Team. We're, we're <laughs> honest, honest bicycle program, or uh, I don't know, honest Richard Sachs pit crew. Was... <laughs> the, the, the honest, uh, <laughs> the honest bicycle pit crew program. A yeah, fun, fun little moment in that interview too is when we were the, the honest bicycle pit crew. I like this. Yeah. it was actually a fun little moment in that interview. What you might have heard when uh, I was sitting and and Dan was talking, and uh, Richard actually came over to the car and. Uh, you can't hear it, but Dan has his finger up, <laughs> like, no, 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 and then he opened the door, <laughs> and it was like, oh, you're inter- interviewing, oh, I was like, yeah, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> so, a little bit of a, a little bit of a Richard Sachs cameo in the Dan Shavanoff, uh, interview, uh, that was fine, but anyway, it was all, it was all good, uh, so, yeah, um, and, again, you know, another, um, kind of, interesting and and i think thoughtful soliloquy from dan on the issue of heckling as well as just some some good chatter about racing uh cyclocross and and racing this race in particular and uh we hope that you found it entertaining and useful and uh i don't know um something to think about so do we have anything else anything else on the agenda I think it's been a pretty long show at this point with all the interviews. This has been a this has been a good solid. I I like this show. We've got man. Let's just wrap. Let's up. just wrap up. We got some good chatting. We just got some good chatting. I mean, let's let's sort of summarize. We we talked about some cool track racing. We talked about some cool cyclocross. We talked about some hubs. We got to hear from Ellen Noble and Dan Chabon. This is this is a this has been a. Cool it's almost program. like we really do a podcast. <laughs> It's almost like we know what we're doing. Sort of. Uh, but don't worry, we'll return to our normal disorganized nonsense uh, next time. We, yeah, we look, we look, and we look forward to it. We look forward to being the sort of yammering duo to trio, week depending, uh, that uh, that you can put an earbud in your ear for your <laughs> long. Uh, Let's hope trio. Training. We're gonna we're gonna work yeah. on that. We're gonna work on that. It's a little... we're gonna get that. We're gonna get the gang back together. We're finally gonna play a show where the drummer comes. It's gonna be yeah, a good time. It's it's. it's been... <laughs> we're gonna 
We're gonna figure it out, everyone. We're, we're really sorry that it's like we can't seem to get the three of us all together. We're, we're working on it. Everyone's very busy. People have lives, apparently. I don't, but everyone else does. All right. Anyway, uh, uh, we should wrap up, as you said. Um, hope you enjoyed the show. It was fun to put it together. Um, and we will catch you next time. So until then, I've been Greg in Boston. And I've been Matteo in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And Francis is out there, too. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time around on the Honest Bicycle Program. 